On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. He satisfies us every single time, does the great Carlos Alberto Diego, Fordiegos.com. Tonight, too, from 11 to 12, Fordiegos are all together again. Hello, Carlos. Hello, you half. How are you going? I heard the, you know, the news about your broken leg has uh, it's been reverberating around the world. <laughs> I'm sure it has. I was uh, in Europe last week, and uh, everyone's talking about it, but Gibril uh, Sissay, oh. uh, those out there who have got uh, access to the Wikipedia at the moment, go on Wikipedia, Gibril Sissay, uh, broke his leg about four times. Uh, the Diego goes named him or coined him the man of chalk after all. So you've got it you've got nothing on that guy there. In fact he sends a message. Just Does you he? know just get over just it. Just harden up? Just harden up, get over it. It's not that hard? I think he's three or four broken legs. Um and, and uh, he still had a pretty good career too, Gibral. So well, I remember that name. It's Sissay. Yeah. How do you spell Gibral? J O B? No, it's D J. D J and the rest of it, right? <laughs> and uh, but uh, but four broken man of chalk. Man of chalk. Yeah, we, uh, the Doctor Groin, yeah, the man of chalk. That's right. That's right. right. I need a nickname. I'll come up with a nickname. <laughs> hey, you've got a special guest with you. Uh, yeah. Very very lucky to have uh, services of soccerer by Jason Davidson with us. Good day, Jace. G'day guys, thanks for having me on the show today. How are you feeling buddy? you just come back from, where have you been? In, in Holland? No, yeah, yeah Holland. Um, Holland, just flew in on Monday night. So you got some jet lag still? Yeah, um, <laughs> late, late Monday night. It's so. looking, for all the chickadees out there by the way, and for you know some oldy ruggedly handsome looking guys ruggedly. like me and half, yes. this guy's very pretty. He's a, he's a very pretty looking guy. Got yeah, I've got a spring in my, in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> So you're still having the effects of jet lag? Yeah, it's been two days, so um, I had a good sleep last night and um, woke up early this morning and... uh yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit hard. It takes a couple of days, but um, I'm used to it. I'm used to the travels. It's it nice to be home. Yeah, it's the best. Um, home's home, so I love being home, seeing the family, and um, hopefully um, I can come home more often. And uh, this year it's been it's been good because I was home in Sydney. Um, home back in Sydney um, yeah. a couple of months ago. So obviously when I was younger it was a bit harder, but um, it's nice to come home more often. How often do you get home? Um, when I was younger it was once a year, and uh, now it's come up to three or four times a year. So it's good. What's the lifestyle like over there in Holland? We, it's a long way away for us. We don't quite understand what happens over there. For a superstar like yourself living there, what's it like? Yeah, it's, uh, it's different. I wouldn't say I'm a superstar. But, uh, <laughs> I would. I would. Um, yeah, it's, it's different. Um, the weather, obviously, it's, uh, it's a lot colder. And um, coming back to Melbourne, everyone's saying that it's winter. It's, it's fantastic weather for me. <laughs> um, I've been in T-shirt for the last two days. So, um, no, it's, it's different. It's a different culture. And... Uh, you get used to it, but I've been away from home for the last eight years, so yeah. you kind of get used to and adapted to the different cultures around the world. Now, Jace, uh, I was lucky enough to be uh, in Holland last week to watch you play uh, Almelo Hercules uh, Almelo. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, we're playing at home against AX Amsterdam. Uh, the game was beamed around the world because it was a game that AX had the draw to win the Eredivisie, which is the first division in, in Holland. And, uh, and you guys needed the draw also to stave off any chance at all of having the playoffs for relegation. So it was a big game, and there's a cute little stadium there in Almelo, 8 
and a half thousand people, but it might have been, you, know, you would have thought there was 50,000 people with the noise and the excitement around it. In the end, uh, both teams got what they wanted. They got the one-all draw, and I was on the ground, would you believe, with a camera, with AX Amsterdam celebrating, and right next to me we got the likes of Dennis Burkamp and uh, Yap Stam, who were on the coaching staff for AX. It was one of the special really? moments for me uh, to be there, and uh, what was Extra special was there was an Australian playing in Jason Davidson and uh, one of our young kids, 22 years old, uh, running around competing against Ajax and uh, more than holding his own in that game. And uh, at the end, uh, you know, watching them celebrate, Jason, must be a huge inspiration to someone like yourself playing in that game, playing in that league, rubbing shoulders with that, uh, you know, category of player. Uh, and or that celebrity of player, and uh, and you know, still holding your own must be hugely confident, a uh, confidence builder for you. Yeah, well, it was um, it was a coincidence that it fell on the fell on the day that we had to play them that they could win the championship. So it was it was a, a great experience to see it with my own eyes that um, and it gave me the motivation that one day hopefully that uh, I can be part of a team that it's a championship team and um, obviously because they win the championship now that they they play in Champions League next year. So um, it's a great team and a young team. So it just gives you that motivation that you you want to be a part of that and to to one day in the future be a part of a team that plays in the Champions League. When they hear that there's this kid from Australia coming over to play for us. What do they say? What's the reaction like when the Aussie kid gets to town? Because I imagine on a global world, on a global scale in football, that we're not seen as, as great players, as, as a great country for football. Um, I think they, they have a, they have a respect for Australians in Holland because we've had a few players playing in Holland and um, I think with Jason Kleiner being at PSV as well, um, we, we do have a good name in Holland especially and um, I think they, they see us as hard-working players that never give up and... Yep. Um, that attitude that I think not just in in soccer that we have, but in all sports in Australia we have that, and um, so that that sticks out for me. I think that that's what they recognise us as um, having. You, sorry. Yeah, having having that uh, never never die attitude. Do you see that uh, players from other countries don't have that that work ethic, that hard work ethic that we do? Um, and do you get frustrated by that? Yeah, it, it's kind of it's a bit hard because I think over there. Um, it's everyone kind of they it's not as much of a team sport like in Australia we're very you know team yeah, okay. uh, we have that team um, eth- that team ethics and we we really work hard together and try to to make sure that the team does well and over there it's a bit a bit more individual and I think that's why they they lack sometimes in you know um, at the in important games because they they don't have that never never die attitude and um, I think that's it's important for us now, Jason, uh, a lot of Aussies uh, know of you, of course, because you started breaking into the Socceroos, you know, uh, probably over the last 12 months. Uh, no one's established under an edge, so we'll talk about, you know, what your thoughts about that are later. But uh, tell us a little bit about your your career path, because uh, I believe you didn't play for any state teams, you didn't play for any underage Australian teams, yet you're 22 years old playing in a decent league against big, big players, uh, you know, who knows what your future will be after the World Cup if you get selected for the World Cup. Tell us a little bit about your pathway as a kid right through to where you are now. Yeah, it's it's quite funny because um, I did kind of fly under the radar, so to speak, um, in Australia because I left left home at a young age, at uh, 14 years old, and um, I was in and out of the, the state teams when I was younger, maybe from 12 to 14 I was in the state teams, and then obviously I went overseas, so I was never in... Um, in the, any Vic teams after that, or with the the Joeys, or and I was um, a part of the Young Socceroos a couple of times. So um, I think I went down a different path. I went overseas at a young age, like I said, and uh, it was a bit different. I know 
you kind of it's you get used to living overseas and uh, it was something that I made a, I made a decision with my family at a young age and um, everything's gone well and I think you you have two ways you can either you make your name in Australia before and then go overseas or you try to stick it out overseas at a young age and um, build up from there. So, how, but how do you get used to a Japanese boarding school for football <laughs> when you're a 13 years old with no family? By the way, you can't speak Japanese either. <laughs> how do you deal with that? Tell us about that story because I think that that's a very unique story in in world football. Yeah, um, I went over to Japan at 14 to a boarding school. Um, and they they had football and uh, schooling at the same time, and but it was predominantly football. And um, obviously, I didn't speak the language, so it was quite hard. Um, I think the first six months, I didn't really speak to anyone. I didn't have any friends um, because it's just the the communication barrier was there. That's hard as a thirteen year old, surely. Yeah, it was. Um, you kind of you kind of get used to it. So I know it was just it was a bit hard at the start because obviously being Australian boy, you, you're loud and you enjoy yourself and yeah. you know you play all sports with your mates outside on the streets and then going to a country where you can't speak to anyone um, and then they're very they're very um, strict and uh, they have their rules and their their culture's pretty much their mindset's pretty set. So um, I had to learn a lot quickly and. Uh, it was a good, a good experience, and I think it made me the player and the person I am today. So, who makes that call? Do you make that call? Do, you, do your folks make that call? What how's that? Um, what happened unfold? was, yeah, what happened was a team from New Zealand came over to to Melbourne to to play against the, one of the teams that I was playing at the time, and um, they were they were preparing for a tournament in Japan, and uh, they needed a play in that in a position that um, they didn't have that many players, and I was playing as a number ten back back in those days, and um, okay. they they invited me. They said they will pay for everything if you want to come and join the team in Japan, and uh, so I did. I went over there for two weeks, and uh, I did well. And the Japanese teams asked me if I would like to stay stay, and they. They'd give me a full scholarship and pay for everything. So um, I came back to Australia and we, we sat down as a family and they asked uh, my mum and my father asked me if I would like to do that and I said that I did and they they were, they were supported me. Now, you, you've you skimmed over the punishments at the boarding ooh, school. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> so if you ever did anything wrong, you ooh. didn't turn up to training or didn't have the socks up at training or something, what were some of the punishments? And you, I think you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, probably the severe punishment uh, for not doing the right thing. That's probably giving you the discipline you have today. Um, yeah, well, I think it's been out there for a while now that uh, one of the stories is that the first day I rocked up, um, I was late because obviously it was, a, it was a new experience for me and I was just coming from school and I didn't know where the training complex was. So we had to catch a train. I think it was a 35-minute train ride from school to, to the training complex and I got lost. And um, I rocked up a couple of minutes or five, ten minutes late and um, they said to me that uh, one of their punishments was as a sign of, you know, they, that that you know that you've done something wrong is that they shaved their heads, so I said, oh, "Okay, that's that's not a problem." At that time, I didn't really care about my hair. I was I was young anyway, so so I got ready to shave the head, and they said, "No, get the whole team in here because you have to. The team has to do it as a as a unit, and um, it's, oh, that's teamwork." So they, to, yeah, so they shaved everyone's head. So that's why as well. I didn't really have that many friends for the first. Two months. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so they've all gone down with you. Yeah, so they all went down, and I remember um, after that. When somebody else got in, in trouble or didn't do well at school, that we all had to get our heads shaved. So, so you spent a fair bit of time in, as a teenager <laughs> with your head shaved. Well, I was actually looking the other day at my dad because um, yesterday I was looking at my dad's computer and we was just looking at some photos of when I was in Japan. And I don't think I had hair in any of the photos. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to your uh, your dad and also your career and the continuation of it. Hopefully for the World Cup after the break as well. Twenty past one. If you've just joined us, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us from. 
for Diego's. They'll be on tonight from 11 till 12. Don't forget that. But our special guest, that other voice you can hear, is Jason Davidson, Socceroo, who uh, very, very shortly, hopefully next week, will be announced as part of the World Cup squad for Ange Postacoglu for Rio. We're looking forward to that. 24 past one on half time. Thanks for your company. Carlos Alberto Diego is with a special guest, Jason Davidson, in the studio just back from Holland. Bit of downtime before, hopefully, getting to the squad for the World Cup preparations for the 2014 World Cup in Rio. Jason, you mentioned before the break talking about um, your folks and your family making the decision to, to go to Japan. Of course, you come from fairly good football stock around here. Uh, all-time greatest ever soccer is 11-year-old man, Alan, played 79 times for uh, for the Aussies. What was it like being the son of a superstar? Um, yeah, well, I think when I was younger, it was I was always in his shadows, and I still am because he's he's had a fantastic career, and uh, I'm just proud of my dad, and, uh, you know, it's good to have him in my corner to, to get advice from him, and I speak to him every day, and uh, I try to listen as much as possible um, because he's he's lived down this road. When, when you were growing up, when you were playing, did you feel that expectation to be something special because of what he had done? Yeah, I get that from other people, but from my dad, I have a great relationship with him. So I think he kind of, he knows how to downplay that and knows yeah. how to, to, to treat me and how to speak to me. So I think from other people, I've gotten that, but from my dad and my family, I've never had that feeling. And when he, when you were growing up as a young kid, was was football all that you did? Were you always out in the backyard or the front yard or on the street or whatever it was, just honing your craft? Would he do that with you or was it just left to your own devices and you'd pick it up if you wanted um a bit of both i think um when i was younger my dad was very um strict on that he wanted me to 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 be hungry for the game and to to want it myself and Mm. if i wanted him to come out then he would definitely come out but it wasn't something that he just said oh let's go he wouldn't um start training he'd say it would be me chasing him to to go have a kick yeah okay now, Jason, uh, you're very, very respectful to your dad. No doubt he's listening it right now and uh, making sure he's ticking off all the good stuff that you're saying. But you didn't always know how big he was. I mean, for those people out there, Alan Davidson, if you, I think uh, the Johnny Warren Foundation ran the, the greatest ever Australian footballer award and they picked the best team ever. And, of course, the golden generation, Vadukas, your Kules, your Ocons, Zelichers, are all in the squad. Uh, but one of the ones that from that previous era was Alan Davidson in that squad of those great, great players we've always had. Uh, you, had an ex- you had an experience. It's a fantastic story, and I've heard it before. So, but I reckon other people out there would love to hear it, uh, where you really – it finally hit you how big your dad was. Uh, with a chance meeting uh, with one uh, great Socceroo, um, not oh, when you were a kid. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was just before the '98 um, World Cup qualifier against uh, Iran in Melbourne. Um, the, oh. the national team was uh, <laughs> the national team was staying at the Crown, and um, we, my dad, organised. Um, obviously, he knew the team doctor at the time, and uh, he organised that we'd meet the whole team and uh, we went as a as a family to, to the team hotel. And, and you're only about 12? I think, yeah, yeah. I, I must have been even younger maybe. And mm. um, I went to, to meet the team and to take photos with everyone. And I remember at the time, Harry Kiel was the, the biggest superstar at the time and yeah. um, he was playing really well in Europe and uh, everyone was interested. Everyone wanted to see him and um, we, we met all the players and uh, I remember sitting there um, in the team, in the in the docs room and um, seeing Mark Viduka and having a talk to him and him telling me how big your father was and how inspirational and uh, it was his hero when he was younger and um, I remember I wanted to see Harry Kiel but we couldn't the the team doctor said to my family and to my dad that that's the only player that you can't see because um, he was just so busy with uh, media and so busy with um, nobody could get in contact with him so yeah uh, we were a bit disappointed and I remember we were just about to leave and um 
Harry Kuehl just walked into the room. And uh, my mum, I remember my mum nudging my father and saying, oh, look, Harry's here. Let's, um, you know, ask for some photos. And um, um, my dad went up to Harry and just said, uh, oh, Harry, you don't know who I am. And then I remember Harry stopping him there and said, no, no, Alan, uh, you don't know who I am. And then my dad was obviously, everyone knew who Harry Kuehl was at the time. And um, my dad was a bit shocked and um, taken back. And uh, Harry uh, started talking. He said, oh, do you remember... Um, Back in 1970, I can't remember what, what game it was up in Sydney when you played against so-and-so. And my dad said, yeah, I remember that game. He goes, you, you walked out, the team walked out and you all were carrying uh, little balls and everyone kicked the ball into the crowd. Um, he said, but you didn't kick your ball into the crowd. You actually went up to a, a little ball boy and you gave you asked him, do you play soccer? And the little ball boy said yes. And you, you gave him that football. He said, that little ball boy was me. Oh, wow. And he said, I still got that ball. You know, I've still got that ball in my in my trophy cabinet. And we were all just we were just all shocked. And, wow. Um, we, taken, we took photos and I still got those photos to this day. And, um, yeah, it was after that day I really realized, you know, my heroes when I was younger all looked up to my father. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's fantastic, and, and, cool. and, and what the an extension to that, which is sort of blowing my mind a bit, is that uh, a guy, a young man in Jason who was only ten years old at that time, or or twelve years old, and uh, and has since had photos as a young kid with the Timmy Kales, with the Mark Swartzes, as a kid, you know, yeah. having things signed, and now he's walking into training camps and playing with these guys. What's that like? Uh, do you feel the pressure? Do you feel like you want to earn their respect? What uh, you know? What how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's a bit awkward. I think the first camp I was very, uh, the first few camps that I was with the Socceroos, I was very quiet and uh, shy and uh, didn't really know my place in the team because obviously, like you said, when I was at a really young age, I remember meeting all these guys and taking photos with them. And I think uh, I've got a photo with Timmy when I was younger and a a current photo. And it's just, it's really, (laughs) it's really, it's really weird because, you know, you look at these guys and, um, they're like super superheroes for the, a lot of young kids, and um, when I was younger, they they were my superheroes. And um, remember, I always wanted to be like them. That was my dream, and uh, to to sit at the dinner table at the hotel and just to talk to them. You don't really know what to say and um, <laughs> what to how to start a conversation because you're just in awe of them. Do you, does that make you realise the impact that players like you, big names like you, can have on on little kids? Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a cycle, and. Um, I look at it from when it started from my dad, like what I realise now, well, it's gone from my dad to Harry and then obviously to me now and the next generation, hopefully I can have a have a good career and um, give back to the kids and to to the to football, soccer in Australia because the next generation after us will, will it will be good to see who they are. How, how much uh, a better player are you having played in or most of your time overseas? We often hear that the players here in Australia they start in the A-League and then they want to go overseas and develop. You've been there for the majority of your, your career, or pretty much all of your career, but overseas. Are you a better player than you would have been had you stayed here, do you think, because of the experiences you've had and the quality of football you've played? I think that's a, uh, it's a difficult question because um, I think if you look in the current Socceroos, for example, you've got uh, Robbie Cruz, who's, who's one of our big superstars at the moment. And um, I think you look at his career, how he's gone through the A-League and look at myself, for example, I've gone overseas at a young age so yeah. I think there's really this we've both gone to the same destination so to speak and uh, we've gone through two different um, paths so I think you can't say you can't say that um, one way is right or one way is 
wrong because I think um, every kid is different out there and every kid's going to have different characters and different um, mode, um, how they can deal with things differently. So uh, for me, it worked out for me, it worked out the way it did and um, to go overseas at a young age. So but um, what I've seen of the A-League and what what I've seen since I've left home is that it's really developed and um, it's getting to get a to become a strong league. So. I can't. I can't say being being in Australia or being in Europe is is the right thing. I think it depends on the kid. We'll get to a break, boys. Twenty-eight to two. Jason Davidson is the young man you're hearing at the moment with Carlos Alberto Diego. This is the world game on halftime. We'll continue it after this. Twenty-three to two on halftime. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us, and our special guest Jason Davidson is back from Holland. Hopefully, going to be announcing the World Cup squad next week for Rio. Carlos, hopefully. Yeah, look, I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Is there uh, any indication early? Jason? Oh, no, don't ask Jace. Why? Don't ask Jace because he, he he won't know. He just right. he's oblivious. He just plays football. That's right. all he does. Who's manager? You taking over? No, 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 nothing like that. No, nothing like that. I, you know, I am fifty percent too, by the way, Jason. <laughs> but no, 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 I, no. I, I'm looking at you, you. Try and sort of build the picture of the coach of what he's done, and of course they've had the Costa Rica game. Yes, and Jason's been. First picked that that left spot, left the left back spot, yes. and played the full game, right? And then we had the Ecuador game. Yes, picked first at that left back spot. So for me, I reckon Ange uh, would would like someone like Jason because of the, the, the fact he's a he's, he runs both ways. He's a really fit guy who gets a lot of miles. He's got a good engine on him. Uh, gets forward and gets you know crosses over and it's I think we've seen through the likes of uh, the teams that Ange's had uh, with Brisbane Raw you know the likes of Ivan Franich and these sort of players who can get up and back and get the ball over and joining the attack I think he's, he likes defenders with an eye for you know eye for getting forward and, and Jason's certainly shown that and and he's been picked in the two te- in the two games so far uh, I think the uh, I suppose to to get picked in for the uh, South Africa game you have to get picked for the squad because obviously yep. that's been picked next week. I'd be very surprised, and uh, I'm not telling Ange what to do, and I, I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, I just think he's he, he just fits that mould of the of the of the young guys that they're looking at now, and playing regularly in Europe, you know, it's ticking off all the boxes. I reckon. Let's strip it back just a little bit, um, Jase. That playing for the Socceroos, you talked about being a camper full, playing for the Socceroos with the history that your family's had with that jersey. Uh, what was it like when you did finally pull it on? It was um, it was a dream come true, and um, all my hard work, you know, it felt like it it paid off for something. And um, I was just grateful because my my grandfather at the time was from my dad's side was sick at the at the time, and I was just um, it was a very proud and touching moment for myself that I I could put on the green and gold before, you know, he passed away last year, and um, it was it was a great feeling to to play, um, and he was able to see me play and and my father play as well. Does, at the end of that game on August 15 in 2012 against Scotland, did you wish you hadn't put it on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't the best. Uh, I don't think it was a, a debut that I thought was going to happen. Scoring that own goal. <laughs> um, but um, sorry to bring it up. No, it's all right. Um, in hindsight, I think you know. Um, it was something that uh, I just I moved forward and I've um, I've just tried to work hard and make sure that it doesn't happen again. And um, I think I showed character during the game that uh, I didn't really think about it when it happened. I just uh, forgot about it. I just wanted to keep playing. And uh, credit to the boys as well because they really um, supported me and uh, um, kept me going. Yeah. What sort of feedback did you get from the uh, the players, but more importantly the coaches about that? Because you're a young kid playing your first game in the national colours, would have been nervous as all hell. I would have thought. <laughs> Ended up scoring an own goal. Um, what sort of feedback did you get from the coaching staff? Yeah, well, um, I remember straight after the game, um, I was very disappointed, and obviously um, because I thought 
that um, I thought I did well besides that in goal. Um, but uh, the the boys or the the coach came up, Holger Osik at the time came up to me and said that I did really well and to keep my head up. Yeah, and um, I was sitting next to Lucas as well, and uh, he um, he told me that uh, to keep working hard, everyone makes mistakes, and you just have to move forward. You're gonna, it's going to be a long career, and you're going to forget about this um, in the future. Of course, the big news overnight is that uh, Lucas Neal has uh, received the phone call from Ange Postacoglu that he won't be going to the World Cup. It would be a huge blow for him. Uh, he's a guy that's uh, really not going, uh, and he's been kicking and screaming to get back in this squad, but he just hasn't had the run of games that, uh, that Ange has demanded of his players. Uh, it's funny, you know, the image of uh, Lucas Neal, especially over the last 12 months or so, has dived a lot with the people, uh, you know, with the fans out there. And, and I, 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 you know, there's a number of reasons why that may have happened. But what was Lucas, what's Lucas really like in camp with the younger guys? Um, he's, a, he's a great leader, and uh, I remember... From the day one, from day one since I I joined the Socceroos, that um, he's always been supportive and he's he's a he's a player that really knows how to lead and to to give the youngsters you know motivation and inspiration and um, I think that's why he's been captain for so many years. So I think what what he's been portrayed in the last twelve months is has been a bit harsh on him because um, the behind the scenes and uh, with the boys he's he's been a great leader for us. He's a, been a great leader for Australia and a great player for Australia. But did, did you think that this might be an outcome, that this that this could happen? Um, I think uh, when the coaching staff changed and when obviously when Ange came, uh, was announced coach, and I think he came out straight and said that um, if you, you're playing week in, week out, that's his main criteria. And yeah. um, I think he doesn't really have... He doesn't really care if you if you're 18 years old or you're 35 years old. I think there's no there's no age, and it's not about just experience. I think with and it's um it's really got to do with you playing week in week out. So I think he's stuck by his guns, and that's unfortunately it's going to be a big loss for us because I think um, um, Lucas has a lot to offer as well with his leadership. But um, I think because obviously with injuries as well and uh, the the last six months. Um, with club and not playing that regularly, I think uh, it was something that Ange, um, he's, that was his decision, and you know he said that from day one. Uh, we believe that Ange called Lucas Neal directly and admitted the um, veteran didn't take the news very well, Carlos, as you can imagine, in the build-up to a, a World Cup. The pinnacle for all players to is to get to a World Cup and represent your country. Not going to happen again for the third time for, for Lucas Neal. Your, your take on it, is that the right call? Well, he just hasn't played enough half, you know. I'm, I'm certainly not one of these ageist guys who just because he's a certain age, he should not be playing. I mean, Timmy Carl's uh, getting up there, uh, uh, Mark Bresciano, and I'm not sure but about you've got to be playing well, too. You've got to be playing well, too, and at a decent level. And, uh, you know, uh, look, I, I've admired Lucas because everyone out there is saying, just retire. Why, why is he not retiring? Brett Holman just retired the other day. Mark Swartzer retired. Um, I just reckon he's got so much supreme faith in himself. He was so desperate to get a, to a World Cup. He's on 96 caps. I'm not sure. I don't think getting to 100 caps should be the motivation, by the way. He should be just, you think you're good enough. Um, he's just got unbelievable self-belief. And, uh, and you want that in your players. But I, I think Ange has uh, treated him with, with respect here. He certainly won't be ringing every player that won't be making the squad. He felt that this was a special case. And I think he's made the right call. And... You know, um, I don't think we're going to do any better with Lucas Neal in the squad uh, over there. And, uh, and I don't, don't know whether we're going to do any worse. So uh, it's just one of those ones that it's a hard call. And I'm glad that Edge had to make it. And he has made it because he shows he's a, he's a tough character. He's got a vision and he, uh, he's not going to sort of be wishy-washy about things. Jason Davidson's with us on halftime. Carlos as well covering the World Game. Jason, just on Edge, 
let's have a chat about him at the moment for the Socceroos coach. We're building up to World Cup. When he's been in front of you, when he got the job and he's in front of you and you've been at training camps and you've played a couple of games under him at the moment, what's he, what's been his his vision for, for this squad? We've, some people outside, some of the expert commentators have said, well, this 2014 World Cup is you know, it's pretty much a free hit, but the 2015 Asian Cup is where he wants to get serious. Has he mentioned those words to you guys or is it just about every single game we're just trying to get better? I think with Angie's, um, he doesn't. I think a World Cup is a World Cup, and uh, I think no team has to go to a World Cup and just uh, be a number or be a team. I think um, we, we, as players as well as a, as a coaching staff, um, I think everyone's going there because we we want to we want to prove a point and we want to do well. And um, obviously, you take each game as they come. And uh, the 2015 Asia Cup is is in six months' time. So I think with him, he he really wants to to prove people wrong. And uh, as a team, we want to prove prove people wrong and do well um, at the World Cup. So um, I know that Ange's the last two games that I've been involved with him, he's he really wants to play some some nice football and not just be a, not just be a team that uh, is a battling team. Obviously, that's our foundation, but also yeah. to to play some pretty football as well. But in reality, Jace, if, if things go well for you, you'll be in the squad number one. You'll be playing at left back number two, and against Holland in game two, you'll be playing against Ian Robin, who's one of the best forwards in world football. He stars in Champions League. He's a Bayern Munich at the moment. One of the greatest players on the planet. You may be playing on him. It gives me goosebumps talking about it. Uh, How do you (laughs) feel about that? Um, I think, you know, I've always been a believer that everybody's got two arms and two legs. So obviously you have to show the respect that he's deserved because he's a fantastic player and one of the best players in his position in the world, like you said. Um, but I think it's not about um, individual one-on-one battles that we have to concentrate about. I think it's about, as a collective unit, we have to, to make sure that we defend well and uh, never to, to leave one of the boys one-on-one like that because, you know, the, at that level, it's, it's hard to defend one-on-one and it, they're, they're great players. So I think if you look at the Champions League, um, I think it was Manchester United against uh, Bayern uh, when Robin was playing f- well that um, Manchester United doubled up on him and played, you know, everyone helped each other out. And I think that's how you have to, to stop these kind of players and these fantastic teams. It's not about, um, like I said, that one-on-one battle. It's about everybody make sure that they ha- help each other out. Who do you have nightmares about for that one-on-one battle? Or players across <laughs> the globe. Who's the one that keeps you up at night tossing and turning? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I think I look forward to it because you, as a footballer, you want to you want to challenge yourself against the best players in the world, and uh, it'll be a, it'll be a nice game to if I do play or if I'm in the squad, it'll be a nice uh, experience and a and it'll be something that I look forward to to challenge myself and see where I'm at where I'm at in world football. Well, who's the one that you want coming at you to turn at you and take you on? Who's the one? I would love to see. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind uh, Robin. Or it's a dream country to play against Cristiano Ronaldo. Right up. Well, you spent a bit of time in Portugal too. We'll talk about that after the break. <laughs> Thirteen to two. Jason Davidson is with us on halftime. Carlos Alberto Diego as well. The world game on halftime. Back shortly. Carlos Alberto Diego with us on halftime. Jason Davidson, Socceroo, is with us as well. Special guest in the studio. Did have some positive feedback off the SMS for this young man, Carlos. Yes, I, uh, yeah, look, you know, I think it's a, it's a breed. I mean, I was looking at some interviews with Tommy Orr. Uh, just. Uh, just on YouTube the other day, just checking out what the boys were doing in Holland and Tommy Orr. I mean, the way he presents himself, uh, Tommy Rogic, I've had to listen to him. I mean, the young kids, well, they call them kids, they're 20-something and they're going to go to a World Cup, yeah. But for me, they're kiddies, right? The the kiddies coming through these days, uh, they've got a wealth of experience and, you know, uh, and they just really behave, they really present themselves in a positive way, they're really respectful of uh, what, you know, the, the green and gold and who they're representing and I reckon that's got a lot to do with the likes of Lucas Neal. 
and the likes of Harry Kuehl and the likes of Mark Schwarzer and, and all these guys that uh, are ending their career now, just I reckon there's expectations. And Jason, you might be able to talk about this a little bit, but the expectations when you go into a Socceroo squad, it's not just going there and training and going home, but there's some real expectations about how you behave, how you re- represent yourself. Is that right? Yeah, I think... Um, like you said, with the older boys, because they've been around the game for a long time as well, so they they um, they expect high standards in in the in the change room and uh, when you're in camp. So I think that's rubbed off on the young boys, and um, we've tried to to mimic them in so to speak, and try to to make sure that we um, we live on the, their legacy and to make sure that we we do the green and gold proud. Are there any players in particular that really drive that? The older brigade that really drive that? Yeah, I think, you know, Lucas was um, the leader in that and he really made sure that everyone and obviously um, Timmy Kao as well and you got Mark... There, there are a couple of quite older players as well but I think Lucas was the, the main guy that um, really led that and made sure that everybody uh, understood that um, it's a, it's an honour and something that you have to really cherish to, to play for the green and gold and I think also Ange has really brought that in um, yeah. in the last two camps as well. Well, somebody else is going to have to pick up that slack, uh, Carlos, because he's not going to be there for this World Cup squad. Tell me about your time in Portugal. I hear it's a pretty good place to, <laughs> to, to live and play and do things. Uh, James, what do you got for me on Portugal? I'd like to visit there one day. Yeah, it was. Um, I went. I went over there at a young age, and um, I think it was. It was an experience that I think I had to. When I look back at it now, I had to had to live it. And um, um, yeah, there was a lot of distractions outside of football. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your Brazilian. Teammates uh, who <laughs> led you astray. Great players, by the way. Yeah. And by the way, he did very well over there, uh, but then lost the, his way. Then on the picture, th- or? no, no, did very well <laughs> on off the pitch. But uh, I mean, you, when you first went there, you did quite well. Uh, but then you got the valuable lesson about being distracted. I, I, yeah. I, you know, from what you've told me, anyway. Um, yeah, I went over there. Um, like I said, at eighteen, and I, I did well. I got myself a contract um, with a first league club over there, and. Uh, I broke into the team and played a couple of games, and um, so I was really doing well, and I really developed as a player. So, and then after after that, I got a bit distracted, and I think as an 18-year-old, I remember going out with um, players like Hulk, um, who were playing at Porto and playing Champions League, and just to be rubbing shoulders, it kind of you know as a young as a young teen, it kind of got to my head a little bit, yeah. and um, my my football went downhill a little bit after that, and that's when I had to. That's when I moved country and um, got my football back on track. A valuable lesson learned at a young age. It's not bad. Who straightened you up? Did your old man pull you in the line? Or? <laughs> no, no. My my dad. I think the whole family tried to. I think it was one of those um, life things that it had to just click in my head, and yeah. my, I realized myself. Um, that uh, I'm only getting older, so I have to make sure that I make the most out of it. You mentioned your contract, uh, um, that contract at the time in Portugal. You're out of contract at the moment. What's, uh, what's the future hold for you? Yeah, well, I think I, I've done really well this year in the Eredivisie, so um, I had a few offers um, just before I came back home, but I think uh, the smart move is to, to hopefully wait if I'm picked into the World Cup squad and if I do, do play in the World Cup, um, to, to weigh it all up and uh, hopefully get some more, more offers on the table and see which one the best one is for me because... I'm not really chasing the money. It's more about um, make sure that I have the right team and yeah. the, the right team that I can develop and make sure that I can play because the Asia Cup's around the corner too. So I know with Ange that he wants his players to play week in, week out. So I want to go to a team and make the next step um, from the editors and make the next step, but to make sure that I'm playing week in, week out as well.